There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Danny, good afternoon. Hello. Thank you for joining me for another edition of our podcast. What have you been uh, watching lately? I don't know if you've uh, seen this, but the greatest video ever made has been released online, which is just a clip from Bohemian Rhapsody. (laughs) Which I the avoided Oscar, at the time. Oscar-nominated Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. One of the best films of the year. Apparently so. You've seen this, right? The yeah. The scene in which Freddie Mercury, played by Rami Malek, explains Queen's appeal to uh, Littlefinger, Lord Baelish, Lord of Wandering Accent. And the sheer number of edits in this one scene are quite staggering. And it's become something of a talking point around film Twitter because of my carefully calibrated Twitter feed, solely film journalists and film magazines, and everyone's really piling in on the scene. Yeah, and it's, it's, the movie was literally nominated for Best Editing as well. Yeah, and then there was a, a sort of counter-defense where this poor editor has always been lumped with this footage, which hasn't been very imaginatively shot. The dialogue's very bad, and also the drummer and the guitarist, Brian May and Roger Taylor, are producers of the movie. So there's all these random reaction shots of them in the scene. Right, because they they're, they're important as they're well. They're important. And so it's an entire mess, and it's just like this weird like anti-film. It's like, is this... What's going on here? It kind of looks like it's shot on a green screen as well. Yeah, like, kind of poorly graded. Yeah, it just looks kind of oddly sort of cartoon-like and unreal. There's somebody on YouTube who's just like uploading... Uh, scenes from Bohemian Rhapsody and I've been sort of mainlining them. <laughs> They're so brilliant. It's like Walkhard, the Dewey Cox story. Every cliche is left, not not left unturned. It's left intact. Left intact. And in, it's in the film. I'm a bit amazed by Rami Malek's nomination because I, you know, I heard he was good in it. I think the problem with his performance I found quite distracting is that he's quite a distinctive looking guy to begin with. Yes. Right? He's kind of like a, he's got strong features. He's got big eyes. He's got a big underbite. But... Freddie Mercury famously had a big overbite. So to compensate, mm. they've given him like these massive teeth. <laughs> and he's also doing a British accent. And also his entire register of his voice is about four octaves below Freddie Mercury <laughs> to begin with. So it's just bizarre. So tell me, what makes Queen any different from all of the other wannabe rock stars I meet? I'll tell you what it is. We're four misfits who don't belong together playing to the other misfits. The outcasts right at the back of the room who are pretty sure they don't belong either. We belong to them. But maybe, you know, I'm only seeing this in isolation. Maybe if you watch the entire film, you really get it a... It all makes sense. Yeah. It's a strong... It turns out to be a strong stylistic choice. Yeah. Maybe, like, in the pacing of an entire movie, a scene where they're just sitting around a table and there's, like, as many cuts as if it was a, a sort of complicated fight scene <laughs> or something, uh, just, you know, makes sense at that time. And it's supposed to be a kind of tense and energetic uh, scene. I mean, one thing, I, one of the comments I saw on Twitter was 
saying to watch what happens to the glass. Like the glasses on the table are moving around constantly. Yeah. Maybe it was originally like a 15-page centerpiece scene of the film. It oh, was, yeah. It was the narrative it was hinge. Like, it was like the tavern scene in Inglourious Bastards. <laughs> yeah. And they had to cut it down <laughs> to a minute and a half. Yeah. And this is the best he could do, this poor editor. There's probably like loads of scenes of someone coming in, moving the glasses around, you know, and there was dialogue associated with that, and then they had to cut, cut all that out. Do we have a good theory as to why this sort of generally panned film directed by a sexual abuser is uh, getting so much awards attention? people like queen i don't know i thought thought time was up wasn't time up i guess it's just like the darkest hour or something it's just like a vehicle for a apparently very good star turn Mm, i guess so but i'm finding the teeth distracting (laughs) danny when you're not being distracted by remy malik's false teeth (laughs) you're talking to me yeah and uh uh and what are we talking about what's going on well, I'll what? just explain to you why we're here. So, this is Film Chat. It's a podcast all about a former U.S. Army Ranger. That's you, Sam Foster, who was the lead U.S. Secret Service agent assigned to head the U.S. presidential detail. Mm. Foster maintains a personal, friendly relationship with President Danny Moran, First Lady Margaret, and their son, Connor. During a snowy Christmas evening drive from Camp David to a campaign fundraiser, the car transporting the First Family spins out of control on a bridge due to icy conditions. Foster pulls Danny from the vehicle, but fails to save Margaret as she falls to her death inside the car. 18 months later, having been removed from the presidential detail, Foster works at Treasury Headquarters. During a meeting between Moran and South Korean Prime Minister Lee Tak-woo at the White House, a North Korean terrorist organization led by Kang Yin-sak, remember that name, very important, I will. mounts an air and ground assault that results in the capture of the building. The group is aided by treasonous members of the Prime Minister's own detail, including Dave Forbes. Dave Forbes, former <laughs> Secret Service agent. <laughs> Danny and several top officials are held hostage in the White House bunker. South Korean Prime Minister Lee is executed on live video. Oh, no. Before his death, detail agent Roma alerts the director of the Secret Service, Lynn Jacobs, that Olympus has fallen. Wait, sorry. I've just read the premise for Olympus has fallen by Uh-oh. mistake there. Sorry about that. My bad. This is actually just a podcast where we talk about and review films. I'm Danny Moran and joining me... A man who I blame for the death of my wife, but will probably forgive him after he goes above and beyond the call of duty to save the day, Sam Foster. Hello. After seeing the movie that we're reviewing this week, I'm completely reevaluating what I thought about the former US Vice President Dick Cheney. I mean, he's he's bad? I mean, he's just awful. He seems to be a, a terrible, terrible person with almost no redeeming qualities. He loves his daughter. That's one of them. That's clear. But that's about it. I mean, he's incredibly evil and half his head is made of some kind of strange rubber material. We'll be discussing this and more revelations we learned watching Adam McKay's Oscar-nominated movie, Vice, later in the podcast. We'll also get into the sexy casting announcements for Denis Villeneuve's sexy adaptation of the big sexy sci-fi epic Dune. And we'll be trying to outdo each other with epic fact-based rants about a movie in which the hero is a fictionalized version of the clever, yelling radio man, James O'Brien. Interesting. All that should leave just enough time for me to announce my latest film project, a prosthetics-heavy biopic of Danny's life. I'll be playing Danny, caked in enough rubber to make me about four inches taller, completely unrecognizable as myself, but exactly looking like Danny. None of my face will be able to move, but it'll be lit and framed in such a way that you just swear you're watching normal Danny without any rub on his face at all. 
A lot of people say that I sound like Danny as it is, but we'll still be using some very sophisticated auto-tuning, voice-altering software to make my voice sound even more like his. I haven't quite worked out what the content of this film's actually going to be, like the story and stuff, but I think it's going to be the story of how Danny started a podcast with his friend Sam. We'll be doing an open casting call to see who's going to play that guy, but our uh, rubber experts are on hand. <laughs> so don't worry if you look like me. It's almost better if you don't look like me. Just uh, come on down and we'll just like fucking plaster you on in a nine hours a day and we'll have to start at 3, a, 3 a.m. <laughs> on every day of filming. But it'll all be worth it when the Oscars come rolling in. They're already in the fucking... They're rolling in and they're in the bag. They're, in, they're sort of rolling in that bag towards us as we speak. I can, I can practically taste them. <laughs> yeah, cool. Sound good? Yeah. Is it narcissist of me to say that like, that sounds like the best one I've ever heard of in my life? <laughs> Not at all. I think that's an objective evaluation. Films, 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 lots of films, 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 films. He's good films, bad films, fun films, sad films, films we love, weird films, Lars von Trier films, old films, new films, some John Woo films, films that star Peter Fitch, films by David Lynch, films short. Six hours long, we've got films up to your gills with films, 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 movies. Are you feeling comfortable? Film chat has begun. Danny, you have been uh, mining the seam of uh, content <laughs> for stuff for us to do and talk about on our podcast. Yeah, engage, after, after watching Vice, I really picked up some tips about how to be an amazing puppet master. Yes, absolutely. And I've just applied that to social media. Yeah, yeah. So you've been engaging with our listeners. You notice another film poster with a disappointing tagline. I think the art of the tagline is being neglected these days. Yeah, they're spending so much time editing their trailers, they're not thinking about good taglines anymore, which is a bit unfortunate. And you notice that the tagline for Vice, the movie we're reviewing later, is power is one hell of a vice. That's shit. That's bad. You shouldn't repeat the title, I think. Yeah. That's just, you know. At least it could have been power is one hell of a dot, dot, dot. Yeah. (laughs) And then Vice already below or something like that. Um, So you posted this on Facebook and asked our listeners for some ideas. Shall I read out some of the suggestions? Yeah. Tom Dewhurst suggests... You won't believe how many corn dogs Bale ate. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, Joe McCormick goes with every bush needs a dick. Right, nice. That's a smutty sort of, um, 70s porn style tagline. It's kind of a Team America style yeah, uh, yeah. tagline. Or, yeah, South Parky. Uh, Chris, Chris Young has also got some dick-based wordplay. He suggests, if you only see one dick this year, make it this one. I think that's very good. Uh, Jay McCormick's got another suggestion. He invaded Iraq. Now he'll invade your hearts. <laughs> That's beautiful. Dan Knoll goes with no more Mr. Vice guy. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. Because um, he's no longer the vice president. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there, some, is there something to be done with how it sounds a bit like wise guy? Vice guy? Ah, he's some kind of vice guy. <laughs> yeah? I don't know exactly how you would spell it out. Uh, Jonathan Farr suggests vice. The gripping tail of Dick Cheney, but tail spelled like a, like a you know monkey's tail, right? A cat's tail. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Veni Vidi 
Vice. Okay. <laughs> That's good. I like that one. Uh, and also, you can't block Cheney. Block chain. Block chain. That's <laughs> yes, good. That's good. Very good. We like that one. And finally, uh, Matt Smith, this is quite a similar to Chris's one. He suggests if you put your dick in only one vice this year, <laughs> make it this one. Of course. If you put your dick in only one vice. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? That's good. Very nice. Solid, solid crop of taglines. A very good crop of taglines. Did you think of any yourself? or did you... The only, well, I would say I was surprised nobody went for something around the fact that it's about Dick Cheney and it's nominated for Best Picture. So it'd be like... If you, if you only see one dick, the one dick pick you want to receive, yeah, something along that line, z, z lines. Um, <laughs> how about chain? Yeah. Chain is hottest dick pick or something. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, this, this year's hottest dick pick. <laughs> <laughs> how about this guy's off the chain? <laughs> e. That's good. Or chain, 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 chain of fools because everybody who came into contact with him was just a fucking idiot fucking rube he just manipulated right very good i mean you've also suggested you don't know dick here there used yeah. to be a recurring segment on the daily show called that with facts about dick cheney yeah um so they definitely could have picked that one up you don't know dick yeah everyone wins that was a competition by the way <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be receiving a prize yeah and that prize will be a spa day spa day yeah <laughs> a voucher for a spa day i can't say when or where you'll receive this but you will will it yeah or whether the spa will be good or bad <laughs> will be a kind of recommended establishment or perhaps a sleazier more sort of <laughs> like uh, back alley one <laughs> not the sort of place a respecting self-respecting person would want, want six to years from it. now you'd be like who was this guy give me a fucking voucher to some sort of one-star rated spa you're like well not sure if you remember but you made a very funny tagline that suggestion and a the, promise is a promise and a promise is a promise so see you there in the future hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Superhero films announced. Casting rumors leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped. Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. That's the news that's fit to print. One of our favorite actors is Eddie Marsan. We've talked about him before. He's in Vice. He's in Vice. He plays Paul Wolfowitz. And uh, he is, uh, yeah, he's, he's doing, his career is doing quite well. And his, but his real career um, as an angry Twitter man uh, is even more successful. And uh, James O'Brien has been tweeting about an upcoming Eddie Marsan film project, which looks very exciting. So all that we know about this is from this tweet, and it's a screenshot of a interview with Eddie Marsan, one of those like brief kind of blow by blow type right, interviews right. where they just ask a number of quick questions. Um, it looks like it was in a, a magazine of some kind or right. perhaps, perhaps a newspaper, wow. some kind of publication that he's photographed. 
And the question he was asked was, what have you got coming up? And Eddie Marsan's reply was as follows. A film called Feedback, where I'm playing a radio talk show host in London who's obsessed by Brexit and his studio gets hijacked by terrorists. It's sort of James O'Brien meets Die Hard. <laughs> so James O'Brien noticed this and got very excited about it. Die Hard is a very popular film template, isn't it? Yeah. There's a lot of movies that are like Die Hard on a train, or like sure. Die Hard on a boat or whatever, rather than Die Hard in a tower. But Die Hard in a James in James O'Brien studio. <laughs> I mean, that is both like wacky sounding and also oddly derivative sounding of the film Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa. Yeah. In which he has to contend with a gunman in his radio talk show studio. And also like that George Clooney movie Money Monster. Where he's still gonna be on air, right? Yes. It's like the terrorists have got him. He's got to say like some pro Brexit things, and everyone's like tuning in. He's like, has he gone insane? But they don't know that actually a terrorist has literally yeah. gone. One, one of the crazy like left behind, you yeah. know, northerners or something has broken into his studio <laughs> and is uh, forcing him to make announcements about taking back control. And uh, yeah. you know, he has and, to he has to say like fuck off Donald Tusk or something like that. And everyone's like, what has he gone mad? And then they realise like the things he says spell out code. <laughs> <laughs> The thing that I that I do like about the sound of this is that although it has the premise of a comedy, the title "Feedback," I feel like that could be like one of those Harrison Ford thrillers, you know? Firewall, firewall. Where's my firewall? Frenzy, <laughs> feedback. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really hopeful this is going to be played very straight. Well, let's have another Brexit movie. The Uncivil War wanted to tackle it head on. I think go a genre route. Why not in a sort of heist movie? Let's have a horror movie about Brexit. Absolutely. Let's have a slapstick comedy about Brexit. Money Monster was kind of about finance capitalism, wasn't it? And that was the best film that year. And that was the best film that year, and everyone loved it, and it was great. So I think this is the way to tackle Brexit, you know, fire a conversation between the two halves of the country. Yeah. I mean, that's what what the the premise proposes. Do you think it's like, you know, oh, I would you'd have to put a gun to my head for me to talk to a fucking brexiteer yes. and then and they've then literalized it and then they just have to spend time together because he's a hostage and before you know it they have a conversation and they suddenly start to understand each other's grievances oh my god i think that's what it's going to be because the movie will start with the with the talk show host on air laying into one of the brexit idiots yeah like how james o'brien does it'll be some guys calling up but he doesn't really understand what a customs union is and, and the, the torture host will be saying things like name one eu regulation you disagree with if you hate him so much and the other guy will be like blah, 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 i don't know i just want my country back or something like that yeah and then he'll get like shot down and then two seconds later you know he'll, he'll get he'll sh- get shot down he'll get shot he'll, down he'll show be shot literally down. Yeah. shot down <laughs> exactly yeah and yeah, I think that's I think that's where it's going to go. Then by the end, they'll be like hugging and crying, and uh, they'll have found a, a peaceful resolution, and they'll have healed the country's wounds or something like that. Fantastic, fantastic, and they'll have realised who the real bad guy is, which is um, Corbyn. Corbyn, <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't probably know. Corbyn, yeah. So that I mean, I'm as excited for this as James O'Brien. Who's the sort of because um, he's you know basically playing somebody who has the same political beliefs as him. Are there any like famous Brexiteer actors? Brexiteer actors? That's a great question. I mean, I'm sure there are some, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. You think you think he should get like a real Brexiteer? Yeah, exactly. The Brexiteer? Well, he's playing. You know, he's a real Remainer. So yes, he is. He's a hardcore Remainer. So we need a hardcore Brexiteer actor to bounce. You know, we need the Alan Rickman to the Bruce Willis. Well, we if need... we can't find an actor, can we just get a hardcore Brexiteer to <laughs> yeah, act in get, the film? Can we just of... have it be Aaron Banks or something? Yeah, just get. Yeah, and he can just make his acting debut. I think that would be great. Cast Nigel Farage. Yeah. I mean, he's on LBC, isn't he? 
Well, actually, I don't know if he's still on NBC, but he has been in the past. I'm yeah. sure James O'Brien knows him. Yeah, well, they, well, they know each other. <laughs> After the epic Titanic clashes over the years. Yes, it's like exactly. Frost Nixon, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. So maybe Farage can be can, yeah. can be in it. Marzan and Farage. Yeah. Feedback. <laughs> Coming. I can see the poster so, now. I can see it. I can just see it. It looks so good. Yeah, I can't wait. Can't, I mean, Cannot we say wait. that a lot, but I really can't wait for that one. I can't believe that, that, that two years... Unchanged after the vote was cast, the people that told us to vote that way still can't tell us what we get, what it is we think we've won. And, and today is really, really interesting for three reasons. Number one, where are all the hot people? Where are they? Where, where I'm are look, they? I've been looking around the streets. What happened to all the hotties? Turns out they're assembling to you, <laughs> star in the movie June. So I mean, we discussed this before on the. On the show, on our hit show, we're currently talking on, but Denis Villeneuve, director of Blade Runner 2049, Arrival, Sicario, and other acclaimed movies, is going to make an adaptation of Frank Herbert's seminal sci-fi novel, the best-selling sci-fi novel of all time, Dune, which was previously made into apparently quite a bad movie by David Lynch in the mid-80s. He's going to make it into two movies, such as the epic scope of the book, can't be contained into one film, that'd be ridiculous. And he is set about casting... A cast, casting a cast, what a fucking maverick, <laughs> of very hot right now actors. So, Timothée Chalamet is playing Paul Atreides, Dave Bautista is Rabin, Stellan Skarsgård is Baron Harkonnen, Rebecca Ferguson is Lady Jessica, Charlotte Rampling is Reverend Mother Mahim, Oscar Isaacs is Jugalito Atreides, and Zendaya is Chani. I don't know who any of those characters are, but those are very hot actors, they're very good actors. I've not read June. I hear you have. Yes. Is this good casting? Well, Stellan Skarsgård is playing one of the film's villains. I mean, basically, so the setup is that they're... We probably discussed this last time, but we can go over it again. It's, like, mainly set on this uh, massive planet, which is the source of this really important intergalactic uh, kind of substance called Spice, which is simultaneously the thing that makes interplanetary travel possible and is, like, some kind of hallucinogen, some sort of LSD-style thing that, if you take it in the correct way, lets you sort of see the future. Some kind of nonsense along those lines. And there is a battle over control of the planet. There's some sort of political stuff going on between uh, House Atreides, which is the, what the main character being played by Timothy Chalamet sort of belongs to, and the uh, Harkonnen family, who are kind of like the bad guys. And uh, Stellan Skarsgård's character is like the head of the, the Harkonnen family. And he's this kind of very obese, evil, evil man. So maybe he'll be fat suited up, or maybe he'll just be piling on the pounds. Right. Or perhaps cool. this will just be a slightly sort of thinner version of that character we're going to see. So, uh, yeah, I don't know really. I mean, it does seem it seems to have been cast f- like basically on on the basis of who's popular at the moment. Yeah, Oscar Isaac is uh, continuing to crop up everywhere. He's in everything. Uh, Zendaya's uh, movie career seems to be taking off very well. So good for her. Good for her. Timothy Chalamet, likewise. You know, he's like. Uh, a popular character at the moment. I mean, he makes sense because Paul is this kind of, you know, very young and uh, not super athletic, slightly sort of weedy character who ends up out in the desert and then kind of becomes this messiah figure, you know? Cool. So, yeah, I can see I can see all this. It seems like sensible casting. The main sort of surprising thing for me is, this, is the fact that this is going to be two movies. I'm sure this was, like, um, announced before, but it seems like quite a risky move by the studio to invest that much money given that Blade Runner 2049 was not a financial success. Yeah. And uh, the recent history of massive sci-fi epics that aren't called Star Wars has uh, been patchy at best. Well, so. is, 
of what I've heard about Dune is that it's so influential that if you made a movie out of it, you'd accuse it of being derivative, even though it's the original. In the same way, I think John Carter of Mars kind of suffered from that. Because like, this is like Star Wars, even though Star Wars kind of cribbed a bunch of yeah kind of plot beats from that to begin with. So would it just be like, oh, it's like Tatooine, but... And the Skywalkers and some sort of intergalactic feud. It's like, okay, Star Wars, right? But yeah. it's like, it predates it by 13 years or so. I think so. I mean, it's also got... The, the, the whole premise of it is very much of its era, I think. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's got this kind of like hippie sort of druggy vibe and uh Villeneuve is not a very druggy director at all he's a very kind of uh he seems like a, a real square to me clean shirt he's a real clean shirt <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so I don't know if there's going to be a bit of attention there but it will just the movie will just seem too sort of like pristine and fashion shoot like um you know like one of the uh, late era Bond films or something rather than being this like really out there kind of uh, visually um bizarre um, sci-fi world which is what it's kind of calling for but remains to be seen okay at least you'll want to have sex with the cast when you watch the film that's something that's something that's something sam and danny both watched a film and they decided to record a few opinions on the things they saw you're gonna hear them in a moment or so there could be angry disagreements but their views are normally quite close a joint review shared between two podcast brothers do they let one another speak or do they interrupt each other the light is on the guys are in so let the chat begin start talking now it's an Oscar-nominated film. We're getting into Oscar season, and so it's a particularly shit year for Oscar movies <laughs> this time. But it's still interesting to see what uh, the Academy is uh, keen on rewarding. And one of the top-nominated films, nominated in every major category, except for Best Actress, because there's just not a significant enough female role in the movie, is Vice, Adam McKay's new film. He is coming off the back of some success with The Big Short, his movie about the 2008 financial crisis, or specifically the gurus who kind of saw it coming and ended up getting rich off it. And now he is tackling uh, a sort of biopic of the vice president, Dick Cheney, who is uh, George Bush's vice president, very famously, and is generally seen as this kind of power behind the throne, sinister type who is like the... um, Iron fist uh, in, in the inside Bush's. the velvet Bush's velvet glove or <laughs> yeah. something. You know, he was Bush was the kind of folksy idiot, and uh, the guy who was really running the show was Cheney. And he has cast Christian Bale. It doesn't normally look like Dick Cheney, but a number of professionals have gone to work on uh, his head and hands and transformed him into quite a convincing Dick Cheney. The film also stars um, Amy Adams as Lynn Cheney, his wife, Steve Carell as Donald Rumsfeld, who is Secretary of Defense under Bush, Sam Rockwell as Bush himself. Um, various other people has got quite a starry cast tyler perry plays colin powell um, and jesse plemons is a sort of uh, voiceover kind of narrator type who's kind yeah. of taking you through it um, and you're sort of wondering who that guy is and that sort of leads up to a punchline here is a clip of um, dick cheney explaining his conditions for becoming the vice president in the 2000 election to george bush i want you to be my vp you the solution to my problem um ceo of a large company I have been uh, Secretary of Defense. I have been the Chief of Staff. Uh, the Vice Presidency is mostly a uh, symbolic job. Right, right. I can see how that wouldn't be uh, enticing to you. However, 
The vice presidency is also defined by the president. If we were to come to a uh, different understanding. Uh-huh. Go on. I'm listening. I sense that uh, you're a kinetic leader. You make decisions based on instinct. I am. Mm. People always said that. Yeah, yeah. Very different. Very different from uh, from your father in that regard. Now, maybe I can uh, handle some of the more mundane jobs, overseeing uh, bureaucracy, managing military uh, energy, uh, foreign policy. That sounds good. This feels like a, another entry in the uh, sort of growing canon of films. I think it's something you said, like movies that feel like they were made by people who read Twitter a lot. Yeah. Or like real sort of Twitter-esque movies. And it's like, I think maybe part of what that expresses is this uh, general desire to uh, make sense of our current chaos with overtly political films that dramatize recent political events. And this is kind of, I mean, it obviously reminds me a little bit of Brexit, the Uncivil War. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another film which is also about these like larger than life characters who have this huge political influence and has this odd tone where it's like half kind of like cartoonish exaggeration and half like deeply serious drama. This is interesting in a way in that it's um, about a, like a slightly older historical period. The flavor of the Bush years is quite different to to right now. And I think part of what I was wondering watching it is what kind of prompted McKay to do this now, basically. Yeah. It's a real no holds barred polemic aimed directly at Dick Cheney, who's basically Satan as far as the film is concerned. You know, the world's most evil man. There's a lot of like uh, very doom laden shots of him, which is just like into cart almost at random with like bombs going off and stuff <laughs> just to show, you know, uh, yeah. what a bad dude he was. And it's a more passionate and like more angry kind of film than Brexit, the uncivil war. And it's more sort of, it's got a real moral angle to it. And it's got no qualms about stating who's, you know, who the villains are here, which is something that's appealing about it. Something that the the big short had as well, but it's not a terribly successful film. It's a very strange film in many ways. And it's odd to see it get such Academy recognition because although it has this very strong point of view it feels like this real like scattergun approach to movie making where he's read all the correct wikipedia pages and you know yeah, for, absolutely. For, formed an opinion but it's like it really feels like the whole film is a montage you know everything is just kind of cut together and there's a lot of gimmicks and it's it does not make for a very smooth or comprehensible cinema watching experience no not at all everything that reminded me of is something you when you were doing your essay in the weeds of your essay like tweeting like can i submit like a list of the books i've read and all the tabs i have opened oh yeah <laughs> instead of an essay and it's like that's kind of what the movie is it kind of begins with a mea culpa it's almost like at a deadline it's like well i'm gonna make the film now yeah and there's a strange scene in the middle of the film where dick cheney is making a pivotal decision whether to become bush's running mate and the film kind of pauses and then turns to the audience and tells you outright that no one really knows why he decided to do this and kind of spends this moment reflecting on the enigmatic nature of people's motivations and how you never really know why anyone does what they do. And then like, they, <laughs> and then they launch into this bit of a Shakespearean dialogue from, I don't know, Richard III or something like that. Macbeth or something? Macbeth, yeah. But, but 
But it was like, like what is why? <laughs> yeah, what is this? It was just a very odd, and yeah, it speaks of a of a bit of uh, insecurity, I think, about its own material. Something I found a bit of a problem with it is that it is similar to the Big Short in that it's sort of out to educate you, and has this kind of approach where like big uh, things that seem complicated are just being obfuscated with like terminology, and I can break it down and explain it to you. Uh, which was useful for the big short because it, you know, prevents the characters who know about finance like explaining terms. Obviously, no, do you know? That's always like annoying in movies where like rocket scientists explain stuff they obviously know, or yeah. whatever. And the, the the topic of that film is technical. Yeah, inevitably. So that makes sense. But and this sort of thing is true here, and there's got a slight kind of like PowerPoint element to it. But that approach of trying to simplify everything is applied to everything in a way that like uh, characters are summed up in one line there's a bit where Dick Cheney is like George W. Bush like he's always trying to impress his father he's like okay let's George W. Bush and like every scene has like one point is trying to get across yeah in a way which makes it kind of hard to engage with and at times it's like a bit patronizing one of the ways it reminded me of Brexit the Uncivil War is it's kind of depiction of like normies as like idiots there's some really shit focus group scenes in it yeah exactly but like it sort of criticizes the Bush administration for manipulating the masses and like leading them to think this one way and then has like kind of a bit of disdain towards his audience and it has like a mid-credit sting which is basically saying people are fucking idiots and if only they'd read the same blogs I had we wouldn't be in this mess Mm. it's also as you say like a bit all over the place. The comedy doesn't quite work, I think, because it's so tonally inconsistent. A lot of the humour is like something, a serious scene being interrupted by something very weird suddenly. But because it's so friends to begin with, it doesn't settle enough for the juxtaposition to work. It's like, everyone could like explode right now and that would sort of be in keeping with the movie. I don't know. He just doesn't, he doesn't, it, it feels like the movie doesn't have enough confidence to just be one thing. And yeah. Yeah, the the impression you get is 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 of Adam McKay sort of very excitably talking to you about you know Dick Cheney did this and Dick Cheney did that and he's so evil and stuff, and it doesn't really feel like it's adding up to much. And the, the basic problem, and this is another the problem that it shared with um, Brexit, the Uncivil War, is that it's got this really strong focus on individuals, uh, the heart of uh, political action and gestures towards them being emblematic of larger trends, but has no analysis of those trends. And in the interview that I was reading with McKay, he was saying how the movie is not just about Cheney, but also about the rise of the Republican Party. And it's like, it's not about the rise of the Republican Party. That happens in the background. Yeah. There's a bit in it early on where the narrator is talking about how people often concentrate on what's in front of them and they miss the larger forces behind them, illustrated with a guy mowing his lawn where there's a tornado right in the background and stuff. And as far as the movie is concerned, the tornado is Dick Cheney, but he's really the guy, you know, he's the lawn or whatever, you know, like, sure, sure. There clearly is a bigger force at work. I mean, the point that I saw made in a um, review of the film was that, you know, if Dick Cheney had resigned as vice president on the 10th of September 2001, do you think that there wouldn't have been a war on terror? Yeah. Or that all of the ghouls in the White House who were um, these sort of ultra imperialist new conservatives who were desperate like for a war in Iraq wouldn't have tried to fight for one anyway. But the film seems to presume that he is basically like the source of, of all this and it kind of like flows out of him. And it's ultimately down to Cheney's personal desire for power. And that's really the ultimate result of this analysis. But like uh, that's just not very explanatory. No. Like, you know, there's obviously there's 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 like structures and institutions that you have to that you have to look at, but the, the film's kind of style and attitude does not accommodate that kind of thing. The, what the film is very keen to not allow is for you to put anything together yourself. 
it just it's just is like this wealth of this like info dump and that you know wants to give you the impression that you understand something but the movie uh, you know doesn't have enough of a coherent kind of analysis to to actually like, enable you to do that you just come away feeling like wow i really you know the dark heart of the bush era was just like like displayed before me but i don't, <laughs> I don't think it actually was yeah what do you make of the performances um i think christian bale does quite a good impression of dick cheney and the makeup team makes him look like dick cheney he does look a lot like him especially old cheney you know i mean i can't speak to the like real realism of young cheney there's a lot of like there's a lot of his life i mean there's a weirdly large amount of his life in the film like in his family life and so which i didn't really understand point of but um but yeah, I don't know. I thought they were okay. Steve Carell seemed to be just playing a kind of crazy Steve Carell character more than he was playing. Yeah, I, I sort of enjoyed Steve Carell and uh, Sam Rockwell because they're sort of not doing the people they're playing, but they just injected their life into proceedings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Amy Adams has got a pretty thankless task. I don't know. They kind of couldn't decide whether she was some sort of like power behind the throne herself or just the wife. Yeah, it absolutely. somewhere between the two. Well, one thing that I did, I did like about the film. I, I appreciate McKay's strongly like ethical viewpoint. It's all it's all he's really making a moral case, you know. He has like here you know, villains, which I like. And I also he's also very keen to emphasize the concrete outcomes of all these political machinations, which he does in a rather clumsy way, but I still enjoyed the like how much he was keen to get across the devastation that was wrought by that administration. Yeah. And it was also kind of enjoyable to revisit that era as a time which has a very different flavor to right now. And especially because I think everyone's kind of in a flap about contemporary politics and how chaotic it is and how it's all falling apart and stuff like that. But no one has actually yet launched a uh, war that would, you know, kill half a million people halfway across the world in the kind of post-Brexit Trump era. Yeah. From an objective standpoint, it's not yet as bad as the Bush-Blair years. Like they clearly did, they wreaked much more destruction than anyone has managed now in this like much more kind of dysfunctional and chaotic time, and there is a you know desire to see uh, Trump as like the nadir of um, the American political system, you know, like the worst president ever, and the people around him as the worst people ever. But really, those Bush people were, were scarier than the Trump people. Yeah, the the Trump guys seem like less competent, basically, and I'm sure they're they're all like super evil and corrupt. You know, and maybe they're all like taking tons of money from Vladimir Putin or something like that. But the Bush people really were these like ideologues who uh, wanted to spread American power across the globe and like, you know, constantly go to war and passed all those uh, bills uh, for surveillance and torture and all and all this kinds of stuff, like really fucking evil things. That they did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I think the film is very clear about um it, like these people aren't just bad because they're amoral power hungry people it's because they you know wanted to like torture and uh, bomb you know people and spy on americans so 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 i thought it had that going for it yeah a well-intentioned movie yeah yeah like, i mean i think i think i think basically it's like i prefer that attitude to the um like a lot of like the uh, liberal attitude towards trump now is more you know you, you see a lot of the time they're just frustrated by the fact that he's violating the norms or you know yeah he's such an embarrassing character or like did you you know he brought so many hamburgers at the white house like it's a disgrace they can't even give people a proper dinner or something like that uh whereas i think mckay is at least has his focus not just on the trappings of american politics and it's like 
he's not like a west wing sorkin type you know yeah. what i mean who's just like all about the the sort of american bugle is not even being played in tune anymore right? <laughs> um but it's the consequences of politics that he focuses on so 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 i did like that about it but but yeah not a su- successful film altogether i would say no bit of a mess bit of a mess my favorite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen and she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends and the terrorists try to stop her, but she beats them in the end. One of the biggest disappointments of Vice I found was that it only barely addressed the key point in his tenure as vice president where he shot a 70 year old man in the face at point blank range with a shotgun it's just a small bit in the movie yeah and really i think that should have been the focus of the film i did enjoy that they included the bit of uh, the clip which i'd forgotten about of the guy apologizing yeah. to dick cheney for being shot in the face that was quite funny that was good um but so i did a bit of ding around made a few calls because you know i know a few friends in hollywood and yeah. it turns out it was actually a much longer scene but unfortunately, Christian Bale got so into the scene, his accent slipped a little bit. Mm. Um, but they sent me over the uh, the scene anyway, and it's great. So I felt like we should just play it. Yeah, we should definitely play we it. Play it. Well, just... it, shows, it shows Christian Bale the peak of his acting powers. Absolutely. when he like Because he spends a lot of the movie kind of creeped up. He just like grumbles. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. He's a very softly spoken character, Dick Cheney, but he, you know, he really lets rip in this scene. Shall I just uh, press play then on that clip? Yeah, let's hear it. Beep. What the fuck are you doing? Jesus Christ, you shot me in the face. Why the fuck are you walking right through? Ah, da 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 da, like this in the background. What the fuck is it with you? I didn't think you'd shoot me in the face. I don't get it. What don't you fucking understand? What? Give me a fucking answer. What don't you get about it? Uh, um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You shot me in the face. Now, don't just be sorry. Think for one fucking second. Oh, God, there's so much blood. Fuck's sake, man, you're amateur. Wow. Powerful. Shame, shame, shame the accent slips a little bit. Maybe the Academy has seen that scene, and that's why it's getting a lot of it. Absolutely. So, for, your, for your consideration. Absolutely, yes. Brilliant. Anyway. Join us next week. We'll be reviewing other films. That weird Jake Gyllenhaal possessed art painting movie down on Netflix. Might watch that. Looking forward to that. Maybe we can catch another one of these uh, shit Oscar films. You know what's out? Uh, can you ever forgive me? Can you ever forgive Which me? Which I think is apparently good. Okay. Let's watch one of these good Oscar movies. What's a good Oscar movie with uh, drunk and Richard E. Grant? Apparently he's good playing a drunk. What's that about? <laughs> and Melissa McCarthy is a great actress. So I'm always... Them as a double act up. is very... It's a good idea. Very enticing. <laughs> Very sexy. Very, very sexy. Until that auspicious occasion. Goodbye. Good night. It's a great honor to be next to a real mensch, Dick Henny. Shalom. Thank you. It's good to be with you today. I look forward to the uh, to the program. You started so many wars. Uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, one and Iraq two. Which was your favorite war and why? Oh, I think it was what we did at Desert Storm. I really do. I never thought of it as having a favorite war. Of the, course, but you got to enjoy it too. And yeah, sure, I, I, I love being Secretary of Defense, um, especially in wartime, especially during Desert Storm. It's fun. We had the capacity you know, to, I, I deployed half a million men and women to the Gulf. 
fantastisk. And, uh, fantastisk. We had stealth technology. We had the precision guided munitions. Of we had uh, all of this uh, capability that we developed. And uh, some of it was used for the first time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.